This is the Mile High Five podcast with Carl Jensen and Doug Cunnington. We have authentic conversations about the journey to Phi, health, happiness, and some very odd tangents. We interview Phi experts, side hustlers, people on their way to Phi, and those who have reached the other side. Join us every week, and if you want the show notes and links and all that other stuff, head over to milehighfi.com. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Mile High Five podcast. My name is Doug Cunnington, and we have a special co-host today. Amberly Grant. Hi, all. How's it going today? Excellent. Drinking some tea, enjoying it. It's uh, it's going to be a good day today, although it I was surprised because I woke up and I looked down and it was snowing and I yeah. wasn't expecting snow, but it stopped at this point. Right. So. Yeah. It's just basically wet out there. So we're fine. Yeah. And it's melting. I could see the grass again. So yeah. yeah. What are we talking about today? Well, this is another part of our death and dying series. If you haven't heard our prepare to die session, uh, go back and look for that. Today, we're talking wills, uh, setting up a trust your life insurance, an accelerated death benefit and what that means, and your medical power of attorney. It sounds riveting, <laughs> but it, it actually should be entertaining. The thing is, we we often avoid like the death topics and then like setting up a will and all this stuff. Like we talked about it for years before we actually did it. Yep. And it, it kind of turned out that like we were thinking about this, Elizabeth and I, my wife, for um like the last six weeks or so. And we actually like got our will set up. There's a couple of things that we still need to get in place, but we have like a good framework currently. Yeah. And you were kind of in the same situation where you were like, Hey, we got to get our shit together. Right. So what, what was yours? Yeah. So I had mentioned on the prepare to dying that I actually had a written will in Colorado. It's legally okay to have a real will written by hand as long as it's, um, um, reviewed by someone who isn't in the will and signed. So I have that. But I also now own three homes, have a child and a partner who's not my legal spouse. So we had decided and I've been thinking about since getting together with him that like I need something properly written out, especially he's Canadian, not American. So just something to actually have set up that if something happens to me or to him, our kid's taken care of. And um, thankfully, my type A personality made me like <laughs> do this by the end of the year. And we'll explain okay. why in this. Um, but yeah, so so we've been working on that. Okay. Yeah. Got it. And we didn't have uh, the same kind of a drive, but we had uh, an acquaintance in Colorado who passed away uh, young. Mm -hmm. And uh, he and his wife, well, they were married. Yeah. But... I, there's some law which people can fact check this. I don't know the specifics, but like the spouse gets the estate of the deceased, right? Mm -hmm. Unless it's over a certain amount, in which case the parents of the deceased might be entitled to some portion of it. Yeah. It's not the whole thing, right. but it could amount to like a lot of money. Yeah. So in that case, it looked like I think it was going to work out. I heard this like fourth hand, by the way. Yeah. So I think it was going to work out okay. The parents of the deceased said, no, that's cool. Yeah. You should have it. And then they saw like how much money it was going to be. Yeah. And they were like, fuck that. <laughs> I, I want the share that I'm entitled to. Yeah. So, you know, we don't think that our parents or in-laws are going to do that, yeah. but... We don't know. Right. If they saw the amount of money, maybe they would say, ah, you're going to be fine. Yeah. I'll take 
$500,000 or something like that, which sounds insane, especially if like, you know, people are building their lives together, like all the money's mingled together, all the assets are. And then all of a sudden, like the parent is going to come and, you know, get the money. So that, I mean, there's, I don't know why that law is even in existence, but, um, Anyway, it gets weird. Like it, it really does get weird. And that's something with my partner. We were talking. People don't know the sacrifices you make as a couple outside of the relationship. So for us, it might look like I have built all this stuff in regards to our houses, um, like the my rental homes, um, you know, my Amberly Grant finance, uh, my W two job, so all my retirement accounts. So I've been building that for the past five years. And like he just came into my life three years ago. We've been friends for. 12 years now, but um, came into my life three years ago. And so maybe someone in my family is like, oh, he doesn't, he didn't help do that. But the thing is they don't know that he hasn't worked for a year so that he could be down here in the United States. So like that to me is a whole year of lost income for him and, you know, prepping his career to continue moving forward. So he is entitled to most all whatever we decide and other people might not notice that or see that just because they're not in the relationship. Exactly. Yep. So anyway, we didn't have as strong of a driver, but we were like, oh, we should get this under control. So what we did is kind of simple, like you described. So we, um, you know, got a will uh, through one of the methods we're going to talk about Mm -hmm. here. And you potentially, you know, would have to get witnesses and make, you know, get it notarized and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But if it's simple, fairly straightforward, you can get two witnesses, like you said, parties that are not um, in the will. And they witness the signing and they sign it. It's good to go. It's a legal document. Mm -hmm. So that's what we did. We just got our neighbors to do it. Yeah. We just walked over one day like, Hey, will you sign this? So, and I guess it can be random people, probably good to know them first. Otherwise it's an odd request. It's an odd (laughs) request, but I mean, totally fine, I guess. Yeah. So, so that's what we did. Now let's uh, start getting into maybe some actionable stuff and, you you uh, have a good suggestion, and that's exactly what we did to set up our our will, but you could also do this with a trust. So I'll let you kind of launch into it since yeah. it's your, your detailed story here. Yeah. So for us, um, it was, I had my, my child in August 29th. So I changed all of my benefits because I had basically like th- whatever the um, open enrollment for special cases is because I had a kid. I could re-choose uh, all my benefits at work. So not only could I do my healthcare, I could also opt into the law fund that they have at work. So it's $7 a month. I hadn't had it previously, but I figured I've got now September, October, November, December, four months to get this in order. Um, We can all guess which day I ended up actually doing this. (laughs) Yep, December 27th. Um, So I had four months with that $7. So essentially it cost me $28 to create... Um, you know, all my medical power of attorney, a simple will. um, And it turns out the trust isn't fully part of this, but I do get a discount because I'm in this law group for work. Um, So it was really great. So uh, for what we did is we contacted uh, the organization that has that like $7 opt-in law benefit. They gave us a list of lawyers that we can contact who are covered through them. The lawyer then makes a case as long as they started the case before the end of the year. If I hadn't opt in for the following year, they could finish the case out. So I call them at the 27th. They were very much expecting everyone to do this. So they just make the case and then we can continue in the new year. So my first appointment was January 4th. 
Turns out we thought we'd just get a will. Uh, a trust is better for us um, in our situation. So we decided to get a trust done. And um, that is not technically part of the package that this uh, ARAG um, law group does, uh, like for free or not for free, but through the benefit. So it's $750 because we got a 25% off discount, right? So for everyone out there, essentially to do a trust is about $1,000 if you wanted to do it out of pocket. Um, and then I'm not sure wills are a lot less or I think they're under $500 because they aren't as complicated. Okay. Yeah. In in your case, why is a trust better than a will? Yeah. Great question. And I was actually going to ask you guys why you went with a will versus a trust. So for us, um, one of the benefits of having a trust, and this is what we asked the lawyer, was um, we have a child. And the thing you can do with a trust is you can designate when they get amounts of money and who can administer that. So I can put someone in charge of the trust who's financially obligated to the trust. Um, They are... They need to do what our wishes are. So an example is um, if both of us were to pass away and our child is, um, say, 13 years old, they are, they're going to go into a care of someone else. The trust will take care of their expenses. So anything that that kid needs, the person who's in charge of the kid doesn't have to be the person in charge of the trust. And they can ask the trust for money. I need money for clothing, travel. Etc. And then the trustee, the person who's going to um, administer the trust, will give them that money and has to give it to them in time, which is great. It also means our kid doesn't have access to the money, nor does a person who has our child has access to the money. So there's a nice like separation there. Um, and then uh, it could be that maybe we at we decide at 18 this kid is going to have our kid um, is going to have twenty thousand dollars to buy a car. So then the trust can give him twenty thousand dollars at 18. Maybe we say he needs some money for schooling. He can do that, but he's not going to get the full amount of the trust until say 35. And so it's a great way to to kind of stack that money um, over different years so that his little brain that's not developed until 25 to 30 isn't taking, you know, a million dollars and blowing it on hookers and cocaine and Vegas. Right. Yeah. Which would be very, you know, tempting. (laughs) So how did you pick the trustee the person in charge of the trust, right? Yeah, that's a great question. So we actually, these conversations are not hard, but you have to think about who is the best person to watch your child or to be financially um, overseer of the trust. So we actually ended up choosing my oldest sister. She is extremely responsible, very um, plays by the rules for everything. And so we decided, I had asked her in advance, hey, would you be someone who... I can trust with this information and this is what you'd have to do. And she said, yes. Funny thing is for my aunt, she and I are the co-executors of her will. Um, So we're like the, Mm -hmm. I would say the responsible parties in our family. Um, There's five children, uh, half siblings or whatever. Um, So she and I are like the kind of the people that everyone goes to, to get things figured out for them. Okay. Is there a, like a, hierarchy or chain of command. So, okay. So how many, yeah. Can you explain that? So they normally have two to three people depending on the part of the trust or will you're, you're, you're talking about. So if it's financial, so who's in charge of the finances? So we put her first and then my partner sister second. Um, So I should actually, let me step back. It's my partner first. So if I die, then it goes to him. If he and I die, it goes to my sister 
if she dies, it goes to his sister. Um, so you have three options. And the first option is always your spouse or should be all used to your spouse, depending on it. Um, and then, then you have two other choices as backups. Okay. Yeah. And then does it go farther than that? So you could, but okay. it's normally not necessary unless okay. you're putting like all 98 year old people more than likely someone, one of the two people will survive you or three people. Right. 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 And I, yeah. And I was just thinking like, if you know, you two die, and then years go by and then like yeah. your child is what, like 34 and there's still money in there. Yeah. And like at that point, like some of us will be pretty old. So right. I'm like in yeah. that many years, it could be a thing, but yeah, I don't You're know. You're right. It could. But I think since everyone will be at 34, we're all in their sixties, I think seventies, Yeah, someone will be alive. Yeah, yeah. And, and my guess too would be at that point, I'm sure if someone needs to make a change, there's probably some sort of legal avenue that like, Hey, I'm on my deathbed. We'll talk about what that happened, you know, <laughs> right. what happens there, you know? Um, but can we make changes to this or something, you know? Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And when you start thinking of all the like failure points and contingencies, then it gets like fairly complicated where you have to like ask like the third or fourth person person down the line. Yeah. Crazy. Well, yeah. You're all wiped out on a plane ride. Yeah. Um, well, and the thing too is we actually asked one of the, the best questions you can ask people when you're talking to professionals is what is it that I don't know that maybe I should know? And that's what we asked our lawyer too was, Hey, is there something that someone has done or you've seen happen that we should be aware of? And one of the things she told us was uh, designating in the trust, like $10,000 or $20,000 for the um, the the person taking care of your kid for like travel expenses so they can go on vacations with your kid or bring them to see their grandparents. So that's something that although the trust is responsible for the child, it's not technically responsible for paying that guardian unless you've designated certain amounts for it. So having some extra money for that person so that they can help out is great. The other reason to trust um, that we chose a trust is I have a bunch of properties and, you know, retirement accounts. The easy thing is you now create, um, you, you set the beneficiary instead of being your spouse, like you normally do, you put it into the trust. So then all the money just goes pooled into there. And then from there, it's doled out how you've designed it to be. So it's not like, oh, someone's getting an, a, a Roth IRA account as a beneficiary, the trust is getting something else, your life insurance. You just want to put it all into that bucket because that bucket knows exactly where things should be um, uh, given to. Okay. And yeah. then does it just sort of, it sums up into like a net worth situation of the trust? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, precisely. Okay. And then you can have wishes in there, right? So, and, and the other great thing is I own property. So the best thing to obscure who owns that property is to put it into trust. So I had a big feature on CNBC. I like... Those YouTube comments are not very nice sometimes. And so I one of the things I was afraid of is people looking up my properties and maybe showing up or I don't know what. Um, and so I was trying to figure out how do I obscure my name attached to my properties? And a trust is a really great way of doing that because you deed the property to the trust. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. So any anything else with the trust before I talk about my situation a little bit? No, go for it, please. So you asked why we went with a will instead of a trust. Yeah. So we, it was a short term solution for this specific problem that I described earlier. Yeah. And ideally we will do a trust. Mm -hmm. We actually, you know, the same thing that you did with the, um, the legal advice 
benefits. So Elizabeth enrolled. She, I think the, the lawyer actually kind of dropped the ball on some of this stuff. So we need to go back. They kind of stopped responding. So I don't know what the deal was, but we will do a trust. Um, we have some more, <laughs> I, I want to say like unnecessarily complicated scenarios yeah. that, I mean, I, I think we can make, make it work with a trust, mm -hmm. but it's, um, you know, potentially some, some scenarios we're looking at, right? Yeah. So let's say I die and then Elizabeth gets remarried. Yeah. So fine. I'm dead. I don't, actually yeah. don't give a shit too much. But let's say Elizabeth then dies a few years later. Yeah. The husband or wife that she chose yeah. has kids. Yeah. All of a sudden you end up with a scenario where like money that I spent my yeah. life earning goes to like random kids that yeah. I don't know. Um, and it, it only takes like one or two degrees of separation and you end up with really weird unintended consequences where like some rando kid could yeah. get like a million bucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's so we don't true. want that to happen. No. Well, so that's exactly, thank you for bringing that because that's actually one of the scenarios I went through with the lawyer. My partner and I, he's had some uh, interesting relationships in the past. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, uh, yep. So, um, not my stories to tell. So, one of the questions was, what happens if we get divorced? I have been working my whole life to accumulate this money for me, my partner, and my children. And he gets remarried to some crazy bee. And <laughs> like, you know, she's like, they have children together or something. I personally have no interest in giving those kids my money. Right. So that's literally one of the scenarios, but I put it in the nice way of like, what if I marry a controlling guy <laughs> who has children or we have children? Like, I want to protect my children from that scenario. And so that's literally one of the things we're writing up in the trust, right? Is that this, you are not allowed to pass this on to blood, like, besides blood heirs of ours, right? right? So what happens to them? What are you going to do with it then? What's the, what happens to it then? Oh, what do you mean? Like, oh, if, like, yeah, so like where like the money's in the trust, yeah. like where would it go oh, if if that is like if that plays out? Right. So if he has a new wife with some kids and maybe he has kids, it won't go to them because they are not our children mm -hmm. that we've had together. So our kid would get the trust. Um, my partner would still be on the trust, um, and then within the trust, I'm sure there's some rules okay. of what they can do. Um, and but then it, everything will go to our kids. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've we've thought about that scenario. Uh, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's not more complicated with us, but we don't have kids. Right, exactly. So, yeah. so now it's like we're looking to um, some relatives, like yeah. siblings and nieces, nephews, yes. whatever. Um, so that makes it, I mean, we are related to them, yeah. but at the same time, it's like, do my sisters need my money yeah. at all? Like, yeah. To, I, I don't know. Right. Do, are they entitled to my money? Yeah. And I, I mean, those are questions people have to ask themselves. I'm yeah. not making a decision because like I did allocate it and it's like, hey, um, you know, distribute it to your children. Yeah. The other thing is like some, uh, we, we have many nieces and nephews. Yeah. Some uh, some of the families have a, sort of a concentration of kids. They have a lot of kids. Right, right? yeah, yeah. So it's like, do you give each yeah. in kid or a certain amount, like right. you divide it up, yeah. like our nieces and nephews, yeah. or is it like each family entity right. gets a certain amount? Right. 
and these are all the questions you have to ask. Like, this right. is how it gets complicated. And they're actually, in my mind, they're fun to go through. Like that scenario of, okay, well, I don't want my my ex-husband's new kids to get my money. It's like, well, maybe I get to know them. And then I'm like, oh, I I want to see their life grow. So maybe then at that point, we change the terms of this. But it's these are the th- conversations you have to have and think about. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So... And there, there's so many scenarios and I, I'm, again, I don't know if we mentioned it, but uh, it's not legal advice. Talk to your lawyer, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Two people on a podcast can't tell you what to do with uh, your millions of dollars. Yeah. But um, I would say come up with scenarios. We gave you some good ideas yeah. and I think we're, we've hit yeah. some unusual ones that are a couple steps away, but like, you know, sleep on it and you may come up with additional ideas of weird things that could happen where like, maybe you don't need to put it in there, but at least you thought about it. So, well, and I will say, I've seen that scenario with the stepkids. Like I've seen it firsthand. So that is something that you want to be aware of because it happens and it happens often. Yeah. Okay. Anything else with um, a trust or setting up a will generally? Well, with a trust, just the number one thing is there's tons of trusts out there. Someone makes a trust and you have to fund it. And what that means is you actually have to put it as the beneficiary of your accounts or else it does nothing. Okay. Yeah. When you, when you pass away, if it's not the beneficiary, the trust is useless. And so one step further, so you mentioned that you set up the trust before the CNBC feature, right? Uh, after the CNBC uh, feature. After. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but then you you were able to put your property into the trust. So how, what mechanism does that? Yeah. So actually the lawyer will deed the property into the trust. So okay. we'll change the name <clears throat> on the deed to the trust is I believe is how that works. We haven't done it yet. Um, so it's in the process because we're not finished the trust yet. Um, so they'll she will she will do all that paperwork. So she just sends a, a quick claim deed, I believe. Changes okay. the name. Puts it in the trust. Now, when you search Colorado, you can't see what, what, like what the property is under my name anymore. Got it. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. cool. So you're like... You're, you're funding it like ahead of time. Yes. And your other accounts have the trust as the beneficiary. Correct. Okay. Yep. Got so it. So when I die, everything goes into that trust and then it gets doled out. Cool. Okay. So I think we can move on to the life insurance stuff. So yeah. so what did, what did you set up here? Yeah. Okay. I've wanted life insurance for if I have a kid because I think it's really important. Um, a lot of people will skip this part of... Um, estate planning and because it's a monthly cost that you have basically for 15, 20 or 30 years. Right. And so it's something like, eh, I could do it later. I can do it later. And then you die and then it's too late. So, um, I actually just set this up and it was just approved. So for me, I have a 20 year, $1 million life insurance policy. Um, I'm now worth more dead than alive. Um, yay. It's $28 a month. Um, so I wouldn't say it's not insignificant, but when you, I think I calculated how much $28 over 20 years is, I'll, I'll take a second and a minute to, to do that math. I think it was, you know, like, I can't remember pennies on the dollar. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so as a 34 year old female, something really interesting I learned was I thought like, okay, got to get this, um, life insurance policy before my next birthday. They actually don't do it based on the day of your birthday. Um, birthday it's in half years so at 
I am 34 years old now. I turned 35 in April. I am already under the 35 plan. So it starts six months before that next birthday. So I'm already in the in the six-month window. So I am now technically 35 in their eyes. Then I have six months of being 35, and then I turn 36 to them. Okay. Yeah. Does that make sense? Fucking insurance companies. Yeah. They're like, yeah. we'll just count it six months earlier, yes, exactly. basically. Yeah, literally, they're like, <laughs> we're just going to change your birthday in our eyes. All right, <laughs> yeah. cool. Well, I'm actually not 35. But yeah. Yep, that they counted as 35. Yeah. Um, so essentially now I have a whole year to get that life insurance policy at the same rate that I was going to get it a month ago. All right. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So cool. That's uh, And that's a term life is what we would call that, right? Or Correct. No? A term life. That's For me, that was the best. Um, and for most people, it's the best uh, choice for life insurance. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And should I, should I talk about the accelerated death benefit or should we go into whole life yet? Let's um let's hit the whole life really quick yeah. and then we'll go back to the accelerated death. Let's let's hear it, Doug. <laughs> okay. So in the notes that, that yeah. you wrote up, you said don't do whole life insurance. Mm-hmm. And I have a story of whole life insurance. So imagine this. I just got my my first job out of college. It was twenty four. It took a long time to get through college. Yeah. So my buddy said, hey, I'm, I met with this financial advisor. He's pretty good. I opened an account. Um, so like set up like a Roth IRA and like some other investment thing. Do you want to meet with him? And I was like, sure. Like I, I want to save for my future, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I met with this guy and turns out it was an insurance salesman, mm-hmm. not an actual like financial advisor type person. Yeah. But you don't know. And like I said, I was 24. I had a full head of hair back then. It's crazy. I actually didn't. I, I no. never had much hair. No. But uh, big forehead. Yeah. Huge, huge forehead. Sticks with you. <laughs> so I I met with a guy. Super nice. You know, he is a he was a great salesman. Yep. And I won't mention the company, but it it's similar to, let's say, Southeast Mutual, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is just entertainment, right? By the way, yeah. So anyway, this guy was nice, yeah. And my friend, and actually several, several, several of our friends opened accounts with this company. So I was like, cool. And he like referenced them, yeah. And I was like, okay, sounds pretty good. So he's doing all this uh, social proof stuff. Good and warm introduction. Yep. Anyway, open to whole life policy. And he's he's like, ah, you know, it's going to be cheaper now than it ever will. Yep. And basically all the people I was around, they had policies with them. So I didn't, I couldn't go anywhere for advice. And I wasn't like, you know, trying to research this really deeply. I was like, if all my friends are doing it, yeah. they're much smarter than me. Yeah. I'll just go with it. And so you anyway, trust the person you're talking to. That's the other thing. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Trust them. And, and the thing is, part of it was legit. So I did open yeah. like a Roth IRA with them and a couple other things that were decent. Yeah. And, you know, he's showing me projections and all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, that seems good. So anyway, I have this whole life policy and it's a hundred K. And then I think like a couple years later after um, I got a, a few raises or promotion or something, he was like, oh, if you want to up it to like one fifth. So I have 150 K and a whole life policy. Yep. And here's the thing. And I want people to leave comments and or hate mail or whatever you need to do. <laughs> um, so I still have it open mm-hmm. and I still pay into it. It's like 150 bucks a month. Yeah. And I have done the math. 
Yeah. And like it, the returns are terrible. I think it's like, I want to say it's 7%. I, this could be wrong, but roughly 7% before fees and yes. such. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, the, the thing is, eventually I got my shit together and I went to the you know insurance salesman and I was like, hey, I see a lot of advice on like whole life is don't do it. Yeah. It almost never makes sense. Yeah. It can make sense in yeah. certain cases, but I think it's super rare. Yeah. I don't know what those cases are, by you, the way. You have to be like a multi-multi-millionaire and you've run out of every bucket possible. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So, and <laughs> basically I was like, hey, it doesn't look that good. And when I look at the returns, like mm-hmm. I see like your fees are at the beginning. And the, mind you, this is a couple years into it. And I was like, you know, the the only way I see that it kind of works out is if I actually, you know, get past when you get paid your commission, which is like the first three years or so. So I was like, if I stick with this for like 15 or 20 years, which I'm actually good with long-term stuff, I was like, it looks like it. it's not the best investment area, Mm -hmm. but it looks like it's okay. Right. And he was like, yeah, like if if you get past that payment period, like for the commissions, then it's okay. I think the fees are still really expensive, blah, blah, blah. It's not great. So- like I said, I'm still paying into it. Yep. It's worth some amount if I cash it out. I want to say like 25 or 35K, something yeah. like that. Yeah. So I have thought like, hey, fuck it. Yeah. I could just cash it out and then do something with the money, like finish the basement right. or something yeah. like that, Yeah. Um, which I think would cost more than 35K, but it depends point. on what you do. Yeah. Um, or, you know, whatever. I could do something with it. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think? So I, I described this scenario. Any questions before you give me advice? Yeah. So you've had it for how many years? Like 15? Uh, yeah. Call f- uh, let me think. I can tell you exactly. Um, so yeah, let's say 16. Okay. 16 we're pulling years. out the calculator okay. right now. Yeah. So 16 years and I'll, I'll, you'll pull out the calculator. So I'll, I'll fill some air time. Okay. Yeah. And I, the funny thing. So as, as time went on, we realized that th- this was a financial advisor that I fired once we realized that we could just do low cost Smart index move. fund. And that worked out fine. They actually pitched me. They were like, oh, we actually can manage it. And I, I can't remember how much they said, but it was, you know, a typical, like very high fee of like probably one to 2% of right. the um, amount managed. Yeah. So we were like, no way, that's bananas. Right. And um, yeah, I haven't talked to them since. Well, that fee that they're going to manage it, they're also going to put it into a fund that has a fee. So you're normally having fees on top of fees bananas. as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I know one of the reasons we fired them is like yeah. in the Roth that I set up with them, yeah. they were like, oh, there's this fund and like here's diversification. So it was in like nine different things. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, in my 401k that I was managing in my like with the employer benefit yeah. of the 401k, yeah. I was like crushing them. Yeah. Like, cause I just went with uh, a couple index funds. So I was like, guys, you, yeah. what do you have me in? And I'm, I know they were making commissions on, yeah. they were like, Hey, there's this new awesome mutual fund. Right. So, okay. So, okay. So just like to your story, it, you didn't make a bad decision back then. You made the best decision you had with the information, like the best decision you could with the information you had. Right. You had all your friends going into it. You had someone you trusted telling you about this thing that is supposed to help you in your future. So I want to give you some like <laughs> grace and some like yeah. good job. Kudos for you for thinking about your future because most people don't. Right. And a 4% return on that investment, although whole life is a whole different policy or uh, thing because you have a bunch of other stuff going on with it. 
is not that bad because normally it's like 3% in fees or more. So if you had like a 7% return, you're probably getting at least 4%. For the average person who's not investing at all, like, you know, fine, sure. Um, But let's talk about what you could do today. And I've actually helped like four people get out of these who are already in them. And I've gotten like three people not to get them in the first place and fire their advisor because the second that someone is pitching you a whole life, a universal life, a permanent life, an IUL, like right away, you know that they don't care about you and your financial uh, future. So the second that anyone pitches you this, you just fire them and you talk to us. So of course, we won't give you advice. We'll just be like, good job. High five. So um, you have spent $27,000 into this whole life insurance policy. This is the time where you can look at what your cash out rate is. So it might be, it probably isn't 27,000 because normally it's less than what you've put into it. So if Mm -hmm. it is 27, I would say, wash my hands of this, we are good. Um, Because that's what you want to look at is how much much will you get if you were to cash it out today Mm -hmm. and how much is that worth? So if you were to say $27,000 and you're going to get 20,000 for it, is $7,000 enough for you to walk away from it and put that $150 into an index fund and make a lot more money over time. Mm-hmm. So like what's almost like the um the the break even on that 7 grand in how many years and then obviously every year after that you're losing money by staying in the whole life insurance and you're gaining money by being in an index fund yourself. Okay. That's how I make that decision. Gotcha. Okay. We'll we'll look at um when we stop recording I'll log in and then we can look at it. Yeah. And I think I mean that makes sense um Especially like you could calculate the real value and the break even and blah, blah, blah. We're fortunate where like it almost doesn't matter. So if I'm just like, you know what? Fuck it. Like sunk costs. I don't care. Like I know I'll get a better return in the future if I don't pay any more into it. And I can get like right now cash value of whatever, 25K. Yeah. Something like that. Yep. So it may just be one of those where you pull the band-aid okay any tax implications i don't think there are no not um, that i know of because there w- there was no capital gain they just fucking <laughs> yeah 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 you probably sucked. lost money over time to that yeah. yeah well that's actually i just got someone to get out of an annuity she had a financial advisor they got into three different annuities of like $250,000 um and she took a $16,000 loss on that and that to her was really that was a better thing to do is to jump out today because she doesn't like them. She's really upset with them because they sold her on a bill yeah. of goods that's terrible. Um, she's made zero gains in the past two years that she's had it. So $16,000 was a great, like, I'm out amount. And how much she's going to make putting that and managing it herself is so much more. Yeah. And one last thing. And again, this is entertainment. Yeah. yeah. Um, These are stories. Yeah. And so those assholes at North Eastern, yeah, whatever, <laughs> Northeastern Mutual. Yeah. So they got to me because they were introduced um, via a friend of mine. Yes. Yep. So every meeting that I had with them, which they bought me a coffee, yeah. which I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. 24 years I old. I can't believe yeah. Starbucks. This is so good. Yep. And I would get like a latte, you know, something mm-hmm. nice, not just the drip coffee. Right. And they, they were like, do you have any friends yeah. that you could introduce me to? Like we're also working with and they would name drop some mm-hmm. 
uh, directors or managers. So I was like, oh, wow, like, you, so you know them. Mm-hmm. So I felt like, oh, I should really introduce. So I, I actually like introduced them a couple times. Mm-hmm. And then at some point I got more confident and I was like, it's making me uncomfortable that you're asking and I don't want to introduce you to anyone else. Yeah. And of course now, uh, you know, just dripping with confidence. So I would be like, fuck you, are you out of your mind? <laughs> yeah. This is like a $3 coffee. I don't even care, yeah. guy. Yeah. But anyway, so stay away from uh, like insurance companies in general. Yeah. Uh, we just talked about how they they just round up. They're like, yeah, you're 35 now. Yeah. It's bananas. Right, yeah, I'm so, 35. I'm not 35, guys. Come on. I know. Yeah. Like, you look much younger than that. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. What skincare routine do you uh, have? I actually do um, a great website called Soko Glam, and they have really uh, affordable Southern Korean skincare. And I have a $10 off coupon that we should oh, put you in do? there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> if anyone uses them, and then I get like $10. Um, I love it. Also, it's genetics. My aunt and my mom have fantastic skin. And so I just used a face wash for barely uh, let's be honest i really didn't do anything with my skin until like three years ago so oh, really? yeah yeah uh just genetics again is gotcha. great the last thing i was going to say about whole life insurance is i did the same thing so i was like 21 i had just moved to colorado i was working at a um no this isn't this would be a little bit later than that i was like 25 yep i was 25 and I was working at a bar in Denver, and one of the gals there, her cousin works for Southeast Mutual, um, or like one of those companies. And so she made the introduction because she had a policy. So I went in there and like, I, you know, I had a financial advisor when I was like 18 or 16 as uh, when I started my financial advisor, thankfully never tried to sell me anything like that. Um And so I thought, great, yeah, like this will be good for my future. Met with him, signed the paperwork for the whole life policy, but it didn't make sense to me. Like I just couldn't make sense of the numbers, even though I wasn't like a big finance person back then. Like I'd read finance books and like loved it, but I didn't know what I know today. And so I actually called my uncle who used to own a bank. And he was like, first of all, who do you have to insure? And I was like, oh, I'm Mm -hmm. like a single 25-year-old person who's renting. He's like, do you need insurance? No. Do you want to invest your money? Putting insurance and your investments together is never a good choice. So he's like, first of all, you don't need insurance. Why is this person telling you need this? Like, who are you going to give this to? Mm-hmm. Like, great, you can give it to your sister. Your sister's fine. Yeah. So that's like the first question. Do you even need insurance? Yeah. It. Um, and I think you're you're a good coach, by the way, because you you were like you did as good as you. <laughs> As good as you could do with the information you had, yeah. which um, which is true. And I, I mean, yeah. I like I own the mistake. Yes. Um, looking like it's fine now. Yeah. So, um, but but yeah, you're a good coach. And th- that's the thing. Like I, I thought, and they like paint a picture like, oh, where do you see yourself in whatever five years? And yeah. it's like, oh, family, yeah. kids, blah blah blah. Which we're t- next episode we're talking about kids. So yeah. little um sneak peek there. Yeah, and uh, turns out. I uh, I don't like kids, yeah. <laughs> so I don't have kids. Surprise! Yeah, and um, insurance like didn't make sense then. Nope. Doesn't quite make sense now. Yeah. So yeah, it, it I don't really I don't really need it. I don't think so. If I didn't have children, I wouldn't have an insurance policy. It's there just to make everyone's life easier if something were to happen to me, so that someone can live for a few years without having to like go to work every single day and like 
people can like hang out for like a year and do nothing. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the accelerated death benefits. Oh my God, I'm so excited about this. All right, guys. So there's this thing you can add to your life insurance policy and it's called an accelerated death benefit. It's like an insurance rider. So I think it just like sits with the insurance. We could add it for free with mine. Um, and this is why I'm excited. Basically, if I'm given six months to live by a qualified doctor, aka a doctor, um, I can take out 50% of my life insurance policy. So I have a million dollar policy. I can take out $500,000 on the spot and use it for whatever I want. Like, come on. That's amazing. I've got six months to live. I get to like probably honestly pay for my medical expenses and like, you know, having like end of life care. But in those first few months where if I'm still like around and kicking and doing well, yeah. like that's like a trip to Greece. That's like, you know, whatever I want to do, I get yeah. to go and like live my last days with my family or friends or whatever. Yeah. Um, and spend some of that money, which is fantastic. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And I was like, ah, maybe I'll, I'll get, <laughs> I'll get term life insurance just to do that. But then I was like, I get, I I can self-insure yes, exactly. the accelerated because I'm if I'm going to die yeah. within whatever in a short period of time. Right. I could just you could sell sock. Yeah. Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah. Do it do cool. it that way. Because also I don't know how old you are, but like you're, they're gonna count you a year or more. And you know, it's just <laughs> don't get into the game, man. Don't get into it. Yeah. Yeah. It's no good. Yeah. Anyways, it's great. All right. So I think we covered that stuff. Uh, last thing is medical power of attorney. So what, what's that? Why is it important? This is someone who can make decisions on your behalf, say that you can't make them yourself. Um, something about, about this one is a bit different than like, say, the financial or who's taking care of your kid is this person has to make medical decisions and possibly pull a plug, right? Like say like, no, this person is under... Um, a coma for a certain amount of days, we don't anticipate them coming back to life or having a good quality of life. So someone has to say like, yes, we can we can terminate this life, right? Um, in my trust, they automatically say seven days of like low brain activity or whatever it is. You can change that number to being like 10 or 15, but someone has to make that decision once that time frame is up. This may not be your spouse. This may not be your child because these people are going to be extremely emotionally attached to your body staying mm -hmm. in this world for as long as possible. Um, so you have to really think about who can make a good decision when all these emotions are high. So for like my dad and proximity, if you, um, your kids are in different states or countries. So an example is my father. Um, I paid to get all of his will and stuff done. Oh, that was about $750. So to get a will and power of attorney in Canada was 750 Canadian dollars. Mm -hmm. um, so if we need some, some, how much it costs about. Uh, my dad had to get the or the medical power of attorney and it's not my sister and it's not me. We're both in the United States. Something happens to him in Canada. We're not there to make decisions right away. So my cousin who lives in town also is kind of one step away from who he is as a person, like mm -hmm. not his family, like a direct family is the person to make those decisions for him. And that's just something to think about is, is who can make those decisions in such a difficult time. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, for any, any advice for those conversations? Well, First, all these conversations should be had with your partner and then approach the person that you're expecting to do this thing before you 
designate them to do it. So, you know, like my cousin, like texting, like, hey, you cool to pull my dad's plug <laughs> if that's the case? And he's like, yeah, great. Um, one thing to you is just go through your wishes, right? Um, the seven days, if I'm in a vegetative state for seven days or 14 days, I don't want to be here. I do, wa- I do not resuscitate. Making sure that you just have those types of mm-hmm. um, questions. I'm sure you can just Google like a list of questions or search a list of questions to ask for a medical power of attorney. Um, but more than likely, those will, some of them will, will be uh, in your will or okay. trust. And I was just thinking, like we haven't, I think we have a medical power of attorney set up, or at least uh, maybe we have to get some stuff notarized. I think those may require notarization. Um, But I was just thinking it would be cool to specify, like, play the office on loop, like in the room for the week or whatever. Like, can you do fun stuff like that? I think you can pretty much do anything you want. It's just whether or not you want to torture the yeah. people who are doing this. You could also have that Serenity by Jan Candle uh, <laughs> yeah. of Bacon Breakfast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, you could allot a little, you know, money or whatever, yeah. tips for the, the nursing staff or whatever. Totally. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That seems like a good idea. Yeah. I don't know. Talk to your lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Check totally with your lawyer. Doug. I don't know. I don't know if that's a thing. Yeah. But um, I think that'd be good to have something light and entertaining that I enjoyed in the past playing think, on loop. Well, it kind of helps you from my understanding from my aunt again, who go check out our prepared to die, um, who is a grief counselor and um, a hospice chaplain, like having um, either like family or whatever it is, the thing to let go or sometimes family to leave the room. Mm. So like that might be your request is everyone leaves a room. The office is playing because people don't want to die in front of their loved ones sometimes. So Mm. they like the second someone like goes to grab a drink of water, they pass away really quickly. Yeah. So it's like thing that happens. Um, So you could do that. Be like, hey guys, leave the room, play the office. I know that's my cue. (laughs) Peace out. Oh yeah. And then Hopefully that won't be like, oh, now I can't watch The Office. I'm like, oh, no, I can't fall asleep watching it. Because <laughs> you're going to die. <laughs> it's like a weird um, horror movie Yeah, or your something. wife puts it on at 2 o'clock in the morning. You don't know. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, come on, Jack. Let's go. <laughs> That's crazy. Okay, cool. Any Anything else you could think of before we wrap? No, do this, guys. This is really important to do. And it's not for you. It's for your loved ones and the people you leave behind. Okay, yeah. cool. Well, before we finish up... We, I didn't clear this with you before, um, but you do, you do some, um, you do some coaching and you actually just coached me some and we're going to go a step further. I'm not going to pay you, but, um, but you do No, I'll pay you. Pay me a tea. Yeah. So yeah. What what do you do? And can you talk about, cause you have like some programs. So I'll give you just a minute to tell you, tell us what you do. Yeah. Okay. So I have two programs. So uh, ways that you can work with me. I am not a financial advisor. Um, I am a coach. So that means I can just kind of guide you in regards to the decisions you need to make and help you to understand what you're looking at in front of you. So I do one-on-one coaching. So you can come work with me one-on-one. You can find that information on my website, amberlygrant.com, and just uh, send me a quick, it's called like burning questions. And you can just say like, hey, I'd like to work with you one-on-one. I'll respond with a survey so then you can um, fill out and I get to know you a little bit and what your situation is. And then we do um, our first session. I always recommend three sessions because they're... Um, pretty intensive in the first one to two. And then we really get into like, what's the future look like um, after kind of looking through other things. Um, 
The other thing I will always tell people is you'll probably cry, like is something that people do with financial coaching because you're talking about all these difficult things. Money and emotions seem to go together hand in hand. The other thing I do, which is I find really fun, is my mentorship program. That is six sessions um, every other week, and it's based on what the interest of the group is. So we split the group into one or two groups, depending on how many um, interests there are. So we've done real estate only. So how to like get your first property? What does it look like working with a real estate agent, financing, et cetera? Then there's like the beginners. So how to just get your financial shit in order. And then we work with you on that. I have guest speakers who come into that. So it's six sessions uh, every two weeks. And that one's really fun because you have a group of people you work with. Okay, cool. And if people want to get more information, they can just go to your website, which we'll link in the description. Yes, that's exactly it. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. That's very cool. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thanks, Amberly. Thanks for listening to the show. That was the Mile High Five podcast, and I'm Doug Cunnington, the balder host, and Carl Jensen is the cool, sexy one. If you dig the show, please do three things for us. Number one, tell a friend, a family member, an enemy about the show. We really don't care who you tell. Maybe forward them a specific show that you know that they will like. It's the single most helpful thing that you can do to spread the word. It's like giving us a virtual high five and uh, actually we don't give high fives in, in person. So the virtual kind's pretty good. And more importantly, your friend or family member or even your enemy will appreciate the fact that you were thinking of them. Number two, make sure you're following or subscribed on your podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, YouTube, whatever you're using. And that way you won't miss a show. And number three, please leave us a rating and review. We read them on the show occasionally, and you might hear yours out there on an upcoming episode. Quick disclaimer, this show is not financial or legal advice. I'd actually be surprised if it sounded like it. It's really just for entertainment, and that's at least what we're hoping for. But seriously, get advice from professionals. Carl and I are just two guys with microphones that sit in my basement and talk. So we'll catch y'all next week. Welcome to the Mile High Five podcast. My name is Doug Cunnington, and we have a special co-host again today, Amberly Grant. How's it going? Hi, very good. Thanks and for having me. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, can roll, we can roll that again. Sorry, I didn't yeah. do the right thing there. <laughs> it's okay. I don't know. I, I totally panicked. <laughs> I was thinking about right. kids on leashes. <laughs> we, could put, we could put this in the blooper part. Yeah, so. totally. Okay. Yesterday, I fasted for, I think, like 22 hours, something like that. So I ate dinner the previous night and then didn't eat until dinner, which was yeah. quite early. It was like five because I was I was like, fuck, I'm hungry. I want to eat. <laughs> so it I, and I have fasted, intermittent fasted for a few years, like off and on. And I've sort of tapered away from it, which has been fine. Like it's um, it was a good exercise, but I don't do it every day. Yeah. Usually, like if I'm doing something in the morning, my mind's sharper if I don't yeah. eat, especially a big breakfast. But, you know, generally that's what I do. Now, I'm curious, have you done intermittent fasting in the past? And then, of course, now you have a young child. Yeah. So you probably have to make sure that you're eating enough food. So, yeah, what, yeah. what do you do? So I categorize my life in periods of 
slight depression or not. <laughs> so, okay. Meaning that sometimes I have like, oh, crazy things are going on and I'm just not paying attention. So I'll, I'll fast unintentionally. And I just basically don't eat from the dinner the night before and then maybe 11 or 12 p.m. So I think that's, you know, normally at what, like a well, I guess maybe a 16-hour fast, which is actually considered a fast in like the right. intermittent fasting world. Um, and I guess in like real life, even whether it's I'm not eating very much because I'm emotionally distraught or regular life, that's kind of – I kind of stopped skip, – I skipped breakfast for a long time, for like two years actually. Now, because I'm breastfeeding, you need an extra 700 calories a day. Um, and you need food constantly or else you don't produce. So I gotcha. eat breakfast, lunch, dinner. Um, but I can tell that as I'm getting further and further away from like having the birth of my child, um, I'm getting more into my old habits where mm -hmm. I don't have to eat as much. I don't feel like I need to eat as much where before I would just like shove my face because I was so hungry all the time. Right. So, yeah, I guess the answer is I've done it a lot. Okay. Gotcha. But intentionally, unintentionally. And unintentionally. Yeah, unintentionally and intentionally, sort of. Interesting. Yeah, and that, make, that makes sense. And I always, um, you know, I mean, they tell us, like, breakfast is the most important yeah. meal. And, like, yeah. they're, I mean, I love breakfast and, like, going to a diner and, like, yeah. all that kind of stuff. And I actually, that's one of those things where, um, like, the smell yeah. brings up, like, emotions or something like that. Like, yeah. you smell, like, a diner, like, yeah. the coffee, like, the cinnamon, like, pancakes cooking in the back bacon grease whatever like yep. that i'm like that's awesome like i yeah. want to smell that every yeah. morning yeah and maybe make a candle out of it or right. do they have soap <laughs> i guarantee there's a candle probably serenity by jan makes a candle <laughs> you understand the yeah yeah reference. yeah that's good that's good uh-huh um yeah i would get that like maple yeah. syrup or whatever right. and but at the same time i know like if i do that yeah. i don't feel as great the rest of the day no it's ex like you if I eat a heavy breakfast, which I don't, I'm, I actually have a confession. I don't like bacon. It's like okay. something. Yeah. Canadian bacon, ham. They just call I'll, it ham. I'll do Canadian <laughs> bacon. Yeah. But just like regular bacon. But um, I find that if I have anything other than like oatmeal, I like to eat the night before his dinner for like a breakfasty okay. 10 a.m. thing. That's really nice for me. Um, okay. Yeah. After living in other countries, I realize like us in North America are really. Um, stuck to our like eggs, bacon, toast breakfast, and yeah, it's like the all American breakfast. Yeah, in yeah, most yeah. places, yeah. yeah. And I do, and I love the bread too, which doesn't do me that well. Yeah. And as we as we wrap up the sound check, which yes. I guess we could do a whole show on breakfast food. I think may as well. <laughs> I've been doing um, trying to get the cholesterol under control, which actually was quite effective. But I started doing overnight oats. Yeah. And just, you know, regular oatmeal, but overnight oats are pretty easy. Yes. I'll throw some uh, protein powder in there yeah. and, you know, some other stuff, maybe nuts or whatever. Yeah. But it's pretty good. And once you get used to it, I mean, it's not like eating bacon or no. fucking awesome waffles or something right. like that. Yeah. But it'll do the, jo do the job. Yeah. And it, you know, my cholesterol is lower. It was actually yeah. like in really good shape. And so. I find oatmeal really fills you up. I actually had it this morning. I have yeah. it almost every morning. It's the best. And you can just put different things in there if you're just bored of what you had last week. Yeah. And we were doing uh, almond butter quite a bit, yes. too. Pretty good. So, okay, cool. Cool.